Happy New Year. Good morning. <laughs> Again. Our scripture reading is will come from 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. If you're there, and the word reads, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. May the Lord God add a reading to this word. The reading this word. Thank you so much. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the new opportunities. God, we are delighted that you have called us for such a time as this. We, your people, have come. We have gathered because we know the importance of hearing a word from you. Because, Lord, we want to know what you expect of us. We want to equip ourselves going to this next level, this next phase of our lives, so that we could be prepared and we could be ready, Father, and equipped for the days ahead. And so, Lord, we just bless your name. We love you. We thank you. And all God's people said amen. 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 Well, good morning to you and happy new year in 2012. Uh, this is uh, always an exciting time because the new year marks new opportunities and new beginnings. How many of you need a fresh start? Uh, life always presents itself with opportunities, but with, come with, but with every opportunity, there are challenges. Uh, 
we often hear about the New Year's slogans. How many of you have developed some of those of your own? This is going to be my year, my year of breakthrough, my year of change. You know, this year, I'm going to do this or do that. I want to name some of the things that we come up with. But we, we all have our personal slogans. And, but what, 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 what I'm concerned about is that sometimes when we recite those slogans, we say that we're going to have a new year, that there's going, to be a, there's going to be a change, and that's all good and fine, but we say it in a way that suggests that we're going to be, we're not going to have some of the same problems that we're having right now. And so I'm one of those folks, I, I don't like to, I'm not a slogan kind of a person. I, I just like to live my life, and I just like to take every day at a time and just live the way that God wants me to live. Because one of the things that is important to understand is that you can believe God for a great year, and, and I'm believing God, trust me. But the reality of it is, is that that great year is going to be filled with some obstacles. <clears throat> we are still going to have to deal with some things in life. How many of you will confess that every time that you've had victory, there's been another problem that comes up? And yet we spend our lives trying to avoid what? Problems. We spend our lives running away from problems. But yet and we act like, Lord, this is going to be a great year. But, but we forget all about the fact that you're still going to have some challenges in that year. How many of you got some challenges this past year? I mean, you had some things happen to you that was unexpected. You had some things happen to you that left you, that left you perhaps confounded, perplexed, confused, not really sure. All of us are going to have to deal with life. And just because we're believing God for a great year, we also need to recognize that a great year depends on our mindset. Jesus talked about putting a new wine in old wineskins and how it won't work. That year after year, how many know we can't go into the new year with the same old mindset? That's what people do. And, and you know, you ever, you ever see, you know, like, you know, people, they will make these resolutions, but then you, you come, to, you ever see them like they start off like one of the big time resolutions is I'm going to lose X amount of pounds this year. Right? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. And they start boring. They, they're really going for it, going for it. All of a sudden they just fall off. Then you don't see them no more because it takes work. <laughs> you got to sweat you got to put in some hours. you got to be inconvenienced. You're going to have to go through some stuff. So the victory that God brings in our life, it does not ever remove us from the reality of the problems of life. I'm going to drop this bombshell on you, and I hope you take it the right way. You're going to have some problems in 2012. You may as well just confront it right now, deal with it, and say, I expect I'm going to have some issues. But the issue is, how are you going to deal with those things when they come, those problems when they come? 
All of us have temptations in life where we feel like we want to quit. How many have ever felt like you just want to quit? I mean, the pressures of life get to you sometimes, you know, and you mean well, you love God, but sometimes you just feel like, oh, this is just a little bit much. That's why Peter says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that come upon you for your testing. But we, we, we think it's strange. And how do we, why do we say that? Because that's the way we act when it happens. But God wants us to change our mindset. The mindset, in order for us to have a successful 2012, 13, 14, 15, how many every years God give us on this planet? How many know that we need to develop a don't quit attitude? And why do we say develop a don't quit attitude? Because there are going to be some things that's going to come in your life that's going to make you want to throw up your hands and what? Quit. But I read the Bible. I was meditating on this. And you, did you not know that if you, you can span the scriptures, the great men of faith, whether it's Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Paul, Peter, they were people that persevered. They didn't quit. And things got really hard for them sometimes. And stuff happened in their life that they did not have answer for sometimes. But they had a kind of spirit that said that no matter what, I'm not quitting. Can I, let me Nick, drop another bombshell on you. God doesn't anoint quitters. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. He doesn't anoint. Let me tell you something. If, you, if you're one of those people like to have pity parties, God will let you have your pity party, but he ain't coming to it. He ain't hanging out there. He's going to come and say, when you, you done yet? Okay, when you're done, come back and check with me. I spared the trouble because I've tried it. You can, let me tell you something. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Gosh, you know what that means? That the God is not interested it's not that God doesn't feel our pain and our hurt. We're not talking about that. You know, the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. He, he understands our pain. But God does not expect us to camp out in depression. He doesn't expect us to wallow in self-pity. If we're going to be great in the kingdom of God, how many of you want to be great in the kingdom of God? We got to be tenacious. We got to be people that said, I'm not going to quit no matter what the devil throws my way. Because do you not think, now listen to me very carefully. For those of you who are sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, love God, serving God. Do you not, you know, the Bible said that the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Do you think that Satan is going to allow you to try to, uh, to break generational curses? What I mean by that is that, 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 you're, that you're changing your life. People that are dealing with alcohol addiction and porn addiction and, and, and lust addiction and people that are and got all kinds of issues. Do you think that the devil is just going to let you try to witness to them and bring them out without a fight? Do you really think the devil is just going to sit by and just let you just kind of walk out there and change the world for Jesus? He's going to do that. You talk about you want to, you are, you are the righteousness of God and you want to go and you want to make a difference. How many know he's going to fight you? But the Bible says we can be of good cheer because, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we are overcomers. 
That doesn't mean that we should fear. What it means is that you're going to have some time where you're going to have to struggle a little bit. And your 2012 can be as good as you want it to be. You determine how your 2012 is going to be. See, we, we, we say the slogans because we just want God to just kind of magically just give us just a beautiful year with no problems. Ain't going to happen. You want heaven. Not now. I just want to spare you. I mean, it's good to have a dose of reality. Amen. Now, so we know that the enemy wants to abort our dreams. We know that he want to abort the visions that God has placed in us. What we also know is that we live in a generation of quitters. I know people quit easy nowadays. People quit their relationships. They quit on their marriage. They quit on their jobs. I mean, people will walk today like crazy. But if we're going to be people that are really going to change the world, we have to be people that says, you know what, God? This is hard. This is challenging. But I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Why did, he, why did, why did Timothy say keep fighting the good fight of faith? That's, that don't sound like it's, that's a fight. You know, you know what a fight is? <laughs> keep fighting the good fight of faith? That means that somebody usually on the other end punching you back. And, and, you know, the enemy, sometimes he throws some heavy blows, don't he? I used to like boxing back in the day. I don't care for boxing no more because I don't think it was what it used to be. Maybe I'm just getting older. But I used to like it when Muhammad Ali, he said, some of you are old enough to remember, but he used to have this thing called a rope-a-dope. And he would just sit back and he would just let the... God, you know, let the people punch and punch and punch. And he just sit there and he just rope it up and let him just take the best shot. And then he'll just snap out of it. He'll give him one good shot precision and he would take him out. We got to be, we got to be like a rope of dope kind of believer. We got to be able to, to take some hits. But how do we know we got to be ready to bounce back up? Amen. The righteous fall seven times, but they get right back up can't be a quitter. And, and as we look at this story here, now watch this. Here, by the way, how many of you want a miracle? Amen. How many of you believe in God for a miracle? Amen. God just Amen. dropped it. You know, in order for there a miracle to happen, there has to be conditions that call for it. Amen. Oh, God, I want a miracle. I want you to move. Well, if you want God to move, how many know there has to be something for God to move on? So if you're going through a difficult time this morning and you're believing God for a miracle, there's an opportunity for God to show up in your life. You should be believing him. Looking for, waiting for God to come through for you. Oh, glory to God. So we find Elijah. Elijah, there was not a more profound prophet than Elijah. Elijah come to town, the whole town was shut down. Elijah was anointed by God. He had just come off of a victory where he had destroyed some 400 and some of the prophets of Baal. These were false prophets, and they came up against God. And Elijah was God's man, and 
400 and some prophet had been killed. This is the same Elijah that prayed to God. Said, let there not be rain for a few years. And it did not rain for a few years. He called a drought, a drought, I should say. And, you know, it didn't rain until Elijah said so. When Elijah said it could rain, then it started raining. How do you know that's anointing? That's favor. That's grace. You would think a man who had that kind of grace, that kind of power, that kind of anointing, would be able to absorb anything. But then he gets word of a woman called Jezebel. Everybody say Jezebel. Jezebel. Woo, Jezebel. Jezebel, she's something else. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to mess with Jezebel today. But don't name your kids Jezebel. Uh, Nobody, did anybody have a kid? Please, I, I didn't mean that. Um, but but think, it, think it is. Here, Jezebel sends word to Ahab. You know what she says? She says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you just like you killed these prophets. They sent word to Elijah. Elijah hears that. You would think Elijah would be like, well, whatever. I mean, I just, you know, I prayed that... It won't rain, it don't rain. I mean, I just killed 400 some of your folks. Jezebel, what are you going to do to me? Elijah ran. Let's look at it. Then look at verse number 2, chapter 19. Then Jezebel sent the messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, ran for his life. It gets gets better, trust me. Watch this. And, And he went to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Now, 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 underline that. He left his servant. You understand what I mean here in a second. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. That's a shrub in the desert. And he prayed. Now, what was his prayer? God, give me power. Lord, just just take care of Jezebel. God, I'm just, what's his prayer? That he might what? Die. And said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my father's. Wow. What was happening with Elijah, a man who had just had these great victories? And what was his issue, by the way? Well, look at verse number 14. Here's his issue. Because, you know, God came, God spoke to him. And in verse number 10, look at verse number 9, I'm sorry. And there he went into a cave. Now, he went into a cave now, and he told his servant. Nobody told his servant to, to stay put because he, he wanted to die. I mean, how many know he's in depression? He's at a low point in his life right now. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why, why are you in this place of despair? What are you doing? So he said, Watch, watch, watch this. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. 
Think of it. Think of this. So here, Elijah is saying, here's his issue. The people have torn down their, their, your altars. In other words, they're, they're, they're worshiping the God of pleasure. Uh, they don't want to hear your word because they're killing your prophets. Uh, and, and by the way, God, I, I'm the only one left that's serving you because nobody else want to do it right. Elijah was experiencing what many of us go through in life. You know, they, in the world, they call it midlife crisis and they call it all kind of whatever they call it. How many know sometimes life has a way of putting pressure on you? How many of you just ever just been tired? Elijah just got tired. He said, I, I, I want to die because the pressure is, is just too much for me. But, 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 but look what God was doing in his life. Look how God was using him. Look what God was doing. And so he finds himself in a place and he's thinking, I'm tired. God, will you please just kill me? I mean, I'm running for my life. Nobody want to serve God. I'm all by myself. God, what am I going to do? I'm sick and tired. Kill me. Take my life. I'm done. You would think that God maybe, uh, do you think that God got a notepad and, and uh, he sit across from Elijah and said, okay, Elijah, tell me all your problems. <laughs> Elijah, please tell me what, what you're going through. What are your feelings? Elijah was explained to me what's wrong. I, I, I know this is really hard. I mean, I, I know, Elijah, that you're, you're, you're feeling this right now, and it's really tough. Tell me more, Elijah. Tell me more. <laughs> if you're waiting for God to check in with you like that, forget about it. <laughs> he don't respond to that. I know it's hard because sometimes we feel like, I mean, you, know, you know, God hears a broken heart, but let me tell you something. God ain't about your pity party. Look down in verse number. Look, look what God says to him. Watch this. Uh, verse number, I'm sorry, look at verse number 14 of that same chapter. And Elijah's happening. Watch this. He said, I have been very zealous. Now, he, he, he says it again. They said, what's up, Elijah? What's wrong with it? He said, here, here it is. I have been very zealous. I mean, I'm on fire for God. That's what, that, that's what he's saying. I've been zealous. I've been serving. I am on fire for the Lord, for the God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And then the Lord said to him, go. Now watch this. Now the Lord didn't say to him, okay, tell me more. Let's, let's work through it. He says, the Lord says, to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nishrah, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Zaphat, of Abel, of Molah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, uh, all whose knees have not uh, bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Does it seem like there's a disconnect? <laughs> I mean, God, I'm going through some problems. I feel like I want to die. The pressure is too hard for me. It's too difficult for me. And God just act like he don't even hear it. God said, go up, and I need you to know some people. God gave him like three things to do. 
God is like, I ain't listening to that. I called you to do a work. Good up, boy. Go do it. Kind of like what he said to Job. Isn't that right? You remember Job? Job was tripping. God said, stand up like a man, boy. Let's talk. Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you at? See, we got to learn how to be people of tenacious spirits. Now watch this. <laughs> he tells Elijah to go to get up. And here's the interesting thing. You remember Elijah's made a comment. He says, uh, I got, there's nobody else serving you, Lord, but me. And what did God say to him? How many people did he have? He said he had reserved. 7,000. 7, okay. You know what that means? That usually things ain't what they appear to be. God sees things totally different than what you see. You don't see like God sees. God said, wait a minute, I got 7,000. I know the faithful that serve me. But Elijah, he's thinking to himself, I'm by myself. Where are they at? God was letting Elijah know something. He's letting us know something. That if you want to serve me, if you want to be anointed of God, you have, God can't, listen, God can't make you do what you don't want to do. In the sense that, in this sense, you know that he can, you know, he's in charge of your breathing. But God has chosen to give you grace to choose to serve him. He'll come and he'll reveal himself to you and God will listen to you and God and God will put his arms around you. He will comfort you. But he's going to say to you, you got to get up because there are people lives that are at stake. I need you to go and serve. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Get up. If you're going to have a great year in 2012, you got to get up. Look at the name and say, get up. Get up. Don't stay in depression. Don't let us listen. You're going to take a hit this year. I know y'all didn't want to hear that this morning. You want to hear me say, it's going to be a great year, Pastor. Ain't going to be no problems, God. I got no, this is going to be my year. It's going to be your year with some issues. But we're talking about how your mind, how you process it. Look, look, at, let's look at another example. I mean, you know the Apostle Paul did some bad stuff. I mean, know that sometimes your past can hinder you from going into your future. All of us have had some stuff in our past that we ain't too happy about. That's why I love God so much. You know, folks, that I think sometimes we get saved and we forget because we, we get comfortable and we forget what God brought us out of sometimes. If you just kind of every now and then is do all of us good just to go back and think about where was I when God got me? Boy, that'll get you right back on track real fast. I remember the day that God saved me. I remember the days in college crying because I was lonely. I thought that I could find satisfaction in all the trappings of the world. And I was left empty, 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 empty. I had no purpose. I had no sense of direction. I didn't know. I was just taking it as it came. I, didn't, I was just living. And God saved me. And boy, when he saved me, my whole, I mean, the, I saw stuff I never saw before. The birds never looked more pretty. 
The trees was laughing and singing to me. I never seen that before. And I went on drugs. But we all have done some things in our past that was just ugly. And, and some folks do stuff. You know, you probably have done some things in 2011 that you ain't too happy about. What you going to do now? Are you going to be like Elijah? Well, I'm going to just request to die. <sighs> just kill me, Lord. Or are you going to be like the Apostle Paul? Look at 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verses 12 through 15. Well, watch. We think of the Apostle Paul. You know the Apostle Paul wrote a good deal of the New Testament. I would say the Apostle Paul is a man that uh, we all would think that if anybody got it together, would we all probably think Apostle Paul probably was that guy? I mean, you know, within reason. I mean, we all would think Apostle Paul was, you know, pretty much, you know, I could follow Paul. I mean, he was a man. But... But Paul had to put down his past in order for him to lay hold of his future, too. Watch what he says in verse number 12 in 1 Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. How many of you will say God has enabled you? Because he counted me faithful. You know what? Let me just, this is a side note. You don't have to be necessarily perfect, but you got to be faithful. God can use folks that are faithful. Now watch this. Because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Although, watch this, I was formerly, watch this now, a blasphemer. You know what a blasphemer is? That's somebody that's verbally abusive. I was a persecutor. I was tormenting and oppressing people. I was an insolent man. Or in the King James Version, the pure King James Version, a violent aggressor. I know what that means. Paul wasn't a very nice guy. He said, but, everybody say, but, but, I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorant, ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which, is, which are in Christ Jesus. So you see, Paul has this awareness. He still, he talks about this awareness of what kind of person he was, right? But, 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 but he don't just stop there. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think, I think you have that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 8 through 11. Watch this. Paul says, then last of all, he was seen by me. This is Paul talking as one of the apostles. Also as by one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Paul would tell you, look, y'all seen that, y'all, in the book of Corinthians, I believe in 2 Corinthians, that they were questioning Paul's authority as an apostle. There were some folks there who was kind of questioning whether or not Paul was really an authentic apostle. And so Paul's argument was, well, look, well, look, look, I know, first of all, I ain't worthy to be what I am. How many would say, you know what? <clears throat> it is what it is. Watch this. For I am not least, he said, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. See, this thing kind of bothered Paul. Paul brings it up. Paul, Paul remembered. He said, I'm not worthy because of what I did. I persecuted the church. And when Paul persecuted the church, he really persecuted the church. He stood over and watched other believers die. And he consented to it. He was right there. And this troubled Paul. But but here's what he says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. 
Woo! Glory to God. So, so you got to just say, you know what, you got you to lick your wounds. You see, if you've if you blown it, you just got to lick your wounds and say, look, look, I, I, I know I'm not worthy. I know God's given me grace. I don't deserve it. You don't have to tell me. You know I don't deserve it. We all know that. But, you know, at the end of the day, God just decided to bless me. I, I, it is what it is. In other words, Paul says, here's Paul's attitude. I'm moving on. I can't keep worried about what I did to the church because if I stay locked into that, I can't lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. He said, so in order for me to lay hold of what he has for me, I can't let this hold me down. So he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But here's what he did say. Now watch this. This is, this is strong. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. You know, some people get saved, get right with God, and they try to figure out ways to do less. I never understood that. But Paul says, but, but I want to make sure that the mercy and the grace that he bestowed upon me, it was going to go to waste. He said, I labored more than they all, not because I'm trying to make it in, but because I'm in. Because he's accepted me. How many know you can't work your way into heaven? I trip over people always trying to think they're good enough in their own strength they can get it. You can't work your way in. Paul said, I labored more than everybody else because I didn't want this grace to be in vain because I understand where he brought me from. And I'm going to make sure that he get the glory out of my life. I am moving on. Look at the neighbor and say, move on. You got to move on. You can't stay stuck in the past. You can't worry about some of the bad stuff. Look, not just some bad choices, but some of us just have some bad things happen in our life. But you can't, you can't stay stuck in there. You ever watch sports? I'm, I love, I'm a ESPN junkie. Y'all can pray for me in that regard. It's the only junkie I know. But that can be dangerous too. But, you know, but I, when I watch a game, a football game, basketball, or golf, whatever, I don't like to just watch the game, but I also like to listen to the press conferences. I like to hear the guys talk because I want to hear what's between their ears. Because, you know, a lot of times your victory or your lack thereof is right here. Between your ears. And inevitably you hear coach says, you know, after a team like you just use the Cowboys. Like, like when they win today, the because um, you got something you just got to do by faith. Speak it. Believe it. And, and you know, and you'll probably hear Jason Garrett, who is the head football coach for the Cowboys, when they beat the Giants Sunday night. You'll probably hear him say, you're going to hear him say this. You'll hear him say something to this effect. This was a good game, and we're going to enjoy this victory today. But we got another team next week, and we got to get prepared. <laughs> but you know what? You know what they're doing. Whether good or bad, they're not going to camp. He said, "We're going to celebrate this victory today, but we're going to be right back in the film room come Monday, Tuesday, because we got a what? We got a something else. We got we got another fight ahead." You got another fight ahead. Celebrate your victories, but you can't live there long. And, and, and if you had a setback, 
You, how many know you can't live there either? You got to pull yourself up. You got to keep going. Life, how many know life evolves? You got to keep fighting. You got to keep going. You got, because that's where your victory lies, is in your attitude. Now, watch this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, we're almost done, believe it or not. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, watch this. He says, How many know that wherever you are, that's your ministry? Amen. Your job, your location, where you live? All of, you know, you're on assignment from God. Nothing, I, I, I think we all believe this as believers, that nothing in our lives happened by accident. And how many know you got to believe that in life? As a Christian, you got to believe if God is real, the Bible says that he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We got to believe that. It, and if we really believe that he is, then we have to conclude that our life is not an accident. Where I am in life is not an accident. Where God has me in life is not an accident because I live to serve him. I live to fulfill his purpose, and I know he cares about me because he said that every hair on my head, well, uh, <laughs> every hair or lack thereof on our head is numbered. <laughs> so he cares. Nothing in my life happened by accident. He says, watch this. He says, now, therefore, since we have this ministry in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Put it to you this way. Therefore, since we have this assignment from God, because how many know that's what ministry is, it's an assignment. Since I have this assignment from God, we have received mercy. We don't lose heart. You think Paul, I, I, I could read it to you, but I'm not. But, you know, Paul had a lot of pressure. But Paul said, hey, with all of this stuff going on in my life, I don't quit. I don't lose heart. I don't look back because I know God called me. Amen. And I know God's hand is on my life. That's good. That's right. You got to believe that. If you're going to have a great 2012, you got to believe God's hand. God's hand is on my life. Look at verse number eight of that same chapter. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. Mm. Paul is basically saying there that every time I, everywhere I look, there's trouble, there's pressure on my life. God does some of his greatest work in pressure. If you can't handle pressure, you will never be great in the kingdom. Pressure. <clears throat> Paul says, I'm hard-pressed on every side. It's the idea of a of a pretzel. How I many like pretzel? You know how pretzels like, like twist it and, you know. Paul says, Every, everywhere I turn, I'm just hard pressed. I just got issue after issue after issue. But what he says, he says, but I'm not crushed. So you can say that I've been hard pressed on every side this year, but you know what? I ain't crushed. Man. I still got it together. He says, we are perplexed. In other words, we're confused at times. How many of you have been confused by some of the things that happen in life? I mean, I get confused all the time. I see some of these stuff on TV. I see some of these murderers do some of the things they do. I bring them back across the country, these guys. It's amazing. And I look at them, I look at them with perplexity. I'm confused about some of the things. Why does God allow certain things to happen? Why, God? 
Why God did this after? God could have been done some other way. Why God? Paul said, I've been perplexed at times. I've been confused. You've been serving God any length of time. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But he said, but I'm not in despair. I've been persecuted. I've been treated wrong. I've been misrepresented. I've been lied on. I mean, you can't worry about what people say about you. I determined a long time ago as a, as a believer, sanctified, filled with the Holy I don't care what people say about me. I only care about what I do before him and that I'm serving him and that I'm all right with him. If I'm all right with him, ask my wife. I sleep very good at night. Paul said, I've been persecuted. I've been treated wrong. But you can't. He, Paul could not worry about what people said about him, you know, because there were some people that said some stuff about Paul. You know what they said about Paul? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That boy right there, he was killing Christians. He ain't, he ain't got no business trying to preach the gospel. He ain't even qualified. I mean, after all the stuff that he put people through, that guy right there, he need to sit his butt down. He shouldn't be in nobody's ministry. That's what they said. When Paul first got saved, they all looked at him and said, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 not you. No, God, God, you know, God had to call somebody else. He could have gone, why, why would he call you, Paul, after what you did? If Paul would have got hung up on that, he could have never, ever did what God wanted him to do. If he was stuck on what people were saying about him, he could never, ever fulfill his destiny and his purpose. He could never do it. So you got to come to a place where you just say, God, for you I live. God, for you I die. Ah. And let people say and do what they must, but you got to move on. That's good. That's right. Got to save some of your headache. He says, but uh, I've been persecuted, but not forsaken. How many know he's always with us? Struck down. There's been some time I've been knocked down a time or two. But he's ain't destroyed. He said, I'm always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be made manifest in my body. You know, Paul's attitude was that no matter what I'm going through, God is going to get glory out of this life if it kills me. I mean, that's deep. Finally, last verse. Look at uh, Philippians. Chapter number three. This is a closing verse. But I had it to going into 2012. Paul. <laughs> I love this verse. Because um, you got to, how many know you got to press? You got to press through sometimes. We're going to have a great 2012. I'm believing God for that. Amen. Because your attitude is going to be different. Your mindset is going to be changed. Because you're going to keep having problems, but your attitude and the way you approach them is going to be completely and totally different. And you're going to have victory. Amen. I mean, if some of you would say that this year, this past year has been a great year for you. But if you really look back why this has been a good year for you, at least from a spiritual standpoint, it's because there was a mind change. There was a shift in your attitude. The same problems still there. I mean, the same headaches, the same people. The same set of circumstances, all that junk was still there, but something happened in you. That's good. That's right. That's right. The change happened in you. It was a change, a paradigm shift in the way you approach life. That's what I'm trying to get us to see. That's why we say your success is determined by your attitude about life and where God has you. Paul put it this way. He says in verse number 12, not that I have already attained. I'm in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. 
He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. You know, some, sometimes we, 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 we say, well, you know, God understand I'm not perfect. I always tell people when they say that as a cop out. Because God knows you're not perfect, but we all are supposed to be striving for it. Paul's attitude was, I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to keep reaching. I'm going to keep reaching. See, everything about the kingdom of God is reaching. God is, see, see, God is always forward moving. We sung that song this morning, praise and worship, moving forward. Everything about God is keep going, keep going. You can't serve God doing this. You ever try to drive a car and stare at the side of the rear view mirror? If you do that too long, what would happen? Watch out, tree. Paul says, I have already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. You got to know that God has a purpose for your life. How many you believe that? You got to believe that. No Christian should be sitting here or wandering trying to figure out, does God have a purpose for me? You are purpose. There is destiny. God called you before the foundation of the world. God always had you in mind. Paul says, brother, but I do not count myself to have apprehended. But there's one thing I do. What is the one thing he said he do? Forget those things which are what? Behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. I used to love watching track. Uh, I still do often, but you know, I used to be a big Carl Lewis fan. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Carl Lewis? Carl Lewis back in the day was bad brother. That brother, he get to run. He ran. He looked good when he run. That brother like a gazelle. I mean, he run his stride. He, I mean, everything. But you know, a lot of times those runners are racing. That that the imagery that Paul is giving is as a runner. That is, you know, the closest the closer they get to the finish line, you know, you ever know they start dipping this way. And if, if you look at them in slow motion, you can see every muscle in their body straining. And they're fighting hard because they know they got some place to go. They got to get there and they're fighting. Some of us got to go through some stuff sometimes. Look, and you got to strain to get out of it. You got to fight. You got to push. And it's hard sometimes and it's difficult. But you got sometimes you got to. Because the weight of what you're going through is so heavy. It's so heavy. And you, it's like that running. Paul says, let us cast aside the sin and the weight that so easily beset us. We got to press forward to those things. In verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. So here's your 2012. You're going to have a great year. You're going to have a great year because you have determined that it's going to be so. You have determined that I'm going to have joy. You got to determine that I'm going to have peace. You got to determine that whatever comes your way, you are still going to give God the glory. Come Amen. hell or high water. And no matter what other people do, how many of people trip? Amen. People are a trip. I hear people sometimes, people, you know, you ever the phrase, people are a trip. I say people are a vacation. <laughs> I mean, extended one. I don't say that. I mean, and I say that about myself too. We all. I mean, we all are like dumb sheep. We all are lost to some extent. And we all need the grace of God. Amen. We all need that. So we got to persevere. 
Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.